I quit riding for almost a full year from when I was 14 to 15 because I was in so much physical pain that I really couldn't ride anymore. And through physical therapy, I got back to riding. When I applied to school, I was looking at schools and I was like, I want to figure out how to do fitness for riders. Welcome to episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I'm joined by Laura Crump Anderson, an equestrian fitness specialist. How's it going, Laura? Hi. I'm doing well. So I'm really excited about this because I've done a lot of interviews about horses, but not really what's happening on top of a horse. So you do fitness work for people that ride horses. Yes. Riders have really demanding schedules. They are in and out of the barns most days of the week. They don't really have time to be spending, you know, a half hour, 20 minutes every single day. Our program is 20 minutes once a week, condensed rider fitness. Whoa, so 20 minutes? <laughs> Once a week. It's shocking. I When I first heard about it, I was like, that sounds too good to be true. I was like, that's crazy. And I stored it in the back of my brain. I continued. I was at school at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was studying exercise science at Longwood University. And I continued at the time to learn everything I could and be like, well, I just have to find a way to fit this into people's schedules. They just have to make it a priority. And the big message that I think is really important is to realize that fitness is what you can do and what is practical for you. And you can really do a lot in a very short period of time. It doesn't require the major time commitments that a lot of people think, especially when you're already so active. But if you're not doing anything, if you're a desk jockey or a regular jockey, no matter what you're doing, something is better than nothing. That's Mm -hmm. the mind frame that it took me to start trying to train this way. And then once I was doing it for about six weeks, I realized this is the answer because it really does work. Well, it seems a lot like it's supplemental stuff where it's like riding a horse is a workout in itself. Similar like if you run. You really should do weight training as well. Exactly. So is it a similar kind of thing? It's totally like that because when you're a runner, that's your passion. That's what you do. You're not going to tell a runner, don't stop running. They'll tell you, go run away. But they're like, my knee hurts. My knee hurts. And it's like, but what you need to do is strengthen those muscles around your knee to support those joints. And it's very much that way with a rider or anyone because strength training has the most bang for your buck. The physiological adaptation that occurs with strength training is way beyond what it does with running. When you're running, you're pounding the pavement. You're causing a lot of wear and tear on your joints. But when you're strength training, you're actually building up the muscles to support your body. You're not exercising. You don't have someone on a fake horse lifting weights. I am not going to have anyone on a fake horse, no. What does it look like? Is this a lot of like, are you doing planks? You're doing weightlifting? What's the so general feel of it? So in the studio, we have equipment that allows for people to go through the range of motion of each muscle group in a very safe way. Because oh, we cool. move these weights. The biggest difference is that we are moving these weights extremely slowly. It's like 10 seconds up and 10 seconds back down. So you are barely moving that weight. That first rep, you're like, this is pretty doable. And by the time you're turning into the third rep, you're like, oh my gosh, is this the same weight as I did the first time? But your form stays exactly the same as the first time you did it. So it's really about pushing yourself past that point where your body's telling you, I can't do this anymore. And then really digging deep, finding every last ounce of energy and pushing yourself to that point of momentary muscle failure. Momentary muscle failure sounds scary, but Mm -hmm. it's literally the point at which your body meets the demand that you need to adapt to change. So I'm kind of curious with what led you to this. So you have a background in both riding and also you had a degree in kinesiology. Oh, I wasn't even close. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with the degree. What got you interested in that? So actually it goes back to the riding. When I was a kid, I was a working student. I worked for people 
people for free in order to get lessons. And I did a lot of barn work and I was a barn slave. Like there is no <laughs> other way to put it, but it was some of the best years of my life. Spent a lot of time listening to WFRE yeah. because that's our radio station in the barn. Really, I was doing a lot of water buckets and wheelbarrows and the wheelbarrows have a lot of stress on your muscles when you're mm -hmm. carrying them to the manure pit. It's everything else that you're doing. I ended up with an extreme overtraining injury without ever setting foot in the gym. That sent me into physical therapy. And I actually quit riding, not because like I was chasing a boy as a teenager. I quit riding for almost a full year from when I was 14 to 15 because I was in so much physical pain that I really couldn't ride anymore. And through physical therapy, I got back to riding. And that's where I realized I needed to keep exercising because as soon as I stopped doing my exercises that were prescribed in physical therapy, my back pain is coming back worse than before. And so when I applied to school, I was looking at schools and I was like, I want to figure out how to do fitness for riders. And that's where I ended up in the exercise science kinesiology field. What were some of the things that you had to study? Were you just working on a lot of athletes? Did it's you... a lot of anatomy. It's an exercise prescription. Yeah. It's how the body responds and changes. It's a lot of love it but hate it, Krebs cycles, like <laughs> how your body produces ATP and how it uses ATP, things like that. Um, ATP is adenosine phosphate, which is the currency that your body uses to get energy. So ATP is how we make energy or how we how we use it. Oh, that's really cool. And it, it sounds exciting that you, you had this idea of this and it sounds like you really got into it. I actually went in with a chemistry major because I wanted to go the physical therapy route. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I was in there, I was chemistry biology. And I actually ended up transferring into the exercise science department because the resources that the school had were so much more extreme for studying what the athletes need and what a program should look like. And I was like, that's when I realized this is the road I should go down. If that's the second part, let's start with the first part. How did you get into horseback riding? I started riding when I was negative nine months old. <laughs> so my mom was an avid horse person. Yeah. I, My grandmother read me Misty of Chincoteague. I got the Chincoteague pony. My dad was like, let's go and do the pony swim. And I was, I think I was three at the time. And he said, you know what? If you want a Chincoteague pony bad enough, you can save up and buy your own pony. Oh. Six years later, when I was nine, we go back <laughs> and I get Eminem, who is still my beloved Chincoteague pony. Oh, my that's only awesome. forever pony because he's the first pony that got away with everything. So he taught me how to teach the rest of them how to <laughs> not misbehave quite as much as him. <laughs> oh, that's such a fun thing. So he's, he, what, he's he 20 at this he point? Is, he's 19. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's too exciting. So silly question. Did you have like a horse-shaped piggy bank to get the horse or was it like a coffee can? It was actually a – it was this old like American Girl doll treasure chest. It was like oh. a little – and I actually remember it really distinctly. It had like a mirage of like just things on it and it like opened. And by the time I took it to like pay for the pony, it was so like falling apart from opening it. And <laughs> I sold lemonade for oh. a very long time. To <laughs> I literally was out there like campaigning, like I need a pony, and uh, and it worked. So I was lucky enough to live on a pretty busy road when I was younger. So there's something cosmically awesome about meeting someone that actually sold lemonade as a kid to get a pony. Wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the pony. Um, so kids can ride a pony, right? He's a good size. He's like 13'3", so he's just smaller oh, okay. than being a horse. He's not a teeny tiny pony, and he's really. I mean, I still ride him. He's a He's a snot, but <laughs> I consider it a good ride when I stay on pretty much. But no, he's actually, now that he's turned, like, in the last two years, I've 
gotten to the point where he's like doing little dressage tests and he's like actually becoming a real horse, which is funny because I've been so busy. I haven't had the time to ride as much as I'd like, spend a lot of time taking care of my horses, not a lot of time riding them. And in the last year, it was like, he needs a job. There's no horse coming down the pipeline anytime soon. So Eminem, it's time for you to have a job. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I was looking at some of the things that it said you did in the past. I'm not familiar with the term hunter jumpers. Yeah. So that's the arena. Oh, okay. When you're jumping in the ring. My background is I started doing trail riding with my mom, and then I did the hunter-jumper stuff, which is the ring up-downs, and you're going over the cross rails. And then I found eventing in 2002, and I was hooked. That's where you're jumping the jumps out in the field, and you're like going out, and you're doing fun things. (laughs) And after that, I was like, this is really where my passion is, and I found a new love for riding again. Dressage, like how do you get, or dressage? Dressage. I think a lot of people think of like the fancy prancing, but that's that, is there more to it than that? Fancy prancing. Actually, it's funny because it is. Dressage actually basically means training. That's the definition. If you were to Google, it's a French word. It means training. Oh. And it's about the pyramid scheme. So anyone who's doing Western, anyone who's doing English, they are training their horse. They are doing dressage. And there's a pyramid of like the movements. And as you go up them, I mean, I'm still, it's one of those things with horses. I'm scratching the surface and continuing to learn because it's a lifelong learning experience. Like you're never done learning with horses. I mean, there's definitely horse masters out there, but at the same time, they're still learning every time they walk into a barn. I spent a lot of time doing dressage just because my tendency is to chase things that are very challenging for me. So as a kid, I actually ended up working as a working student for a dressage rider because she was amazing and she sat on my pony and helped me. Well, one, she stayed on, so that was a (laughs) big plus. And then two, she taught me how to ride. And that's my basis comes a lot from my dressage training, I would say, is my understanding. I will always go and take a dressage lesson with someone who's very knowledgeable because they can really instill the basics in you that you're still always going back to. So for people that are really good at that, like the competition, are they sticking with the same horse? Is it really big about the pairing, the the trusting the rider and the horse to do those That's things? That's a good or? question. Honestly, a lot of riders are riding at the professional level a bunch of different horses, but every mm-hmm. time they ride a horse, they're riding a different horse. They're sentient beings. They mm-hmm. have their own physical needs. They have their own different muscular skeletal demands, their own personalities. You know, one dressage rider can pair really well with a horse and pretty much everyone who is coming up at that upper upper levels they typically will come back reinstill the buttons so that they know what they're asking for and how they're training the horse and then go back up to the level that they're looking to compete Mm. to or if they're starting with a young horse they're instilling the buttons the whole time they're starting it so they're the person creating the horse and that's a really cool way to grow up literally with the horse (laughs) have you worked with any jockeys I have never worked with a jockey, and that is something I would love to. I mean, I know a lot of jockeys. My old farrier used to be a jockey. Like, I love Mm -hmm. that personality, that go-get-it-ness, that, I mean, just wild intensity. And jockeys have always put an emphasis on their fitness. They know that they're athletes, and they know they have to do it. They know they need to exercise in order to continue to do their sport. And I feel like if anyone's a jockey out there and wants to come, I would love to work with them because it really, I'm fascinated by the conditioning programs that horses are in. I mean, I love researching that. People are like, wait, you're an equestrian fitness specialist. Does that mean you do rider fitness or horse fitness? And I was like, well, my profession is rider fitness. But if you want to talk horse conditioning, I will sit down and talk to you about that all day long because that's like my fun stuff. I love writing conditioning schedules for horses. Oh, so is that how you, so exercising a horse is a different stuff? Because like a horse... 
Sorry, I just imagined a horse with weights. But how, how do you actually exercise a no, horse No, the then? riding and the training. But, hmm. I mean, for you need to have a conditioning program to get their cardiovascular fitness up. You'd go out and you do trot sets, which are like you're trotting the horse for a certain period of time. And hmm. there's different concepts of it and how to build fitness. And everyone has their own plans and programs. And I feel like going back and looking at what racehorses are doing is a really good start and a foundation. So loop back to what you do in general. What are some common things you feel like riders are ignoring? Riders tend to forget about their chest muscles. Across Ooh. the chest, riders tend to be incredibly weak. The half halt when you're sitting up tall, you're mm -hmm. using a lot of your back muscles. You're using that all the time. You're really tight in your hamstrings. You're also tight in your quads. But across from your chest, you don't do anything that works mm -hmm. your chest in the saddle. You don't really do anything with wheelbarrows and water buckets that actually works across your chest. It's really important to work those chest muscles. And there's a lot of different ways you can do it. A slow motion push-up on mm -hmm. your toes is Hiller. Yes. Like if you're going 10 seconds up, 10 seconds down, if you can do that for 90 seconds, you are a beast. <laughs> a lot of people, I like to start them on their knees or even off the wall. You can do a lot with going off the wall because mm -hmm. you can change the intensity by how far you put your feet back. The further back your feet, the more challenging it's going to be. The closer your feet are to the wall, it's going to be a little bit easier. But the important thing is pushing to that point of true fatigue. Any fitness level, it sounds like, if you're starting with the walls like that, so someone who's completely been ignoring it and just yeah. rides horses for fun can get in there. Absolutely. I'm like, my bread and butter are people who are really nervous and don't think exercise is for them. What I do, I'm never like, you know, here's your exercise program. Go out and do it. It's always one-on-one. -on -one. It's always working with people. I did recently get a yoga certification. Oh, cool. And that has been a really cool, like, expanding of my knowledge of the body and stretching and things like that. But what I love, the personal training side of things is the exercise piece that I think everyone can find 20 minutes in their week. And it can make such a difference in your life. The funny thing, everyone thinks like, oh, I need to work out for two hours straight. It's like, no, your body just, if you do a focused workout for 20 to 30 minutes oh, yeah. a couple times a week, that's all you really need to stay in shape. If your goal is weight loss, the unfortunate thing is that you got to look at what's in that pail that you take to lunch with yeah. you. Like that, <laughs> honestly, there's no way around it. You can't lose weight with exercising. You can be exercising three hours a day and you can maintain your weight. You're not going to out-exercise whatever you're putting in your mouth, unfortunately. Do you encourage people to work out when they're not with you? Honestly, it depends on what you define as working out. Do the things that you love doing. Be active. Go out and ride. Go out and run. Go out and bike. Be active. But I would say if someone is regularly strength training with me, they should not go home and practice with their equipment at home. Rest and recovery is such an important part of an exercise program that tends to get undermined because people are like, oh, let's do this boot camp for six days and we're going to go really, 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 really hard. And they don't get the rest and recovery that the body needs to actually mm. repair. What are some homework, so to speak? What are some home exercises that you would suggest? Absolutely. So my favorite really quick condensed program is first doing that slow motion push-up to failure, and you're pushing yourself past that point where you think you can do it, you know, whether that's on your toes, whether that's on your knees, or whether that's off a wall. And then you go and you do a wall sit. And a wall sit isn't just hanging out there sitting on the wall. You go as deep into it as you can till your legs are at a 90-degree angle. Don't go further than a 90-degree mm -hmm. angle. And you hold that until those legs start shaking. Someone once called it a electric chair, and yeah. I think that might be more relevant than the actual <laughs> wall sit. And then finishing that short condensed workout with a plank. If I'm traveling, that's 
something I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit my slow motion push up, then the wall sit, and then that plank to make sure that every last energy fiber of my being is absorbed and done. So you have a yoga certification. I do. Have you done any of the animal yogas that have popped up around here? I'm trying to think. I liked the concept of goat yoga just because I've never done horse yoga and I've never done horse yoga to me so I've done goat yoga a couple times it's one of my little quirks but horse yoga I'm not even sure how you would (laughs) well a lot of people like it's um because you know how yoga is more than just the postures and going through those movements it's about the energy that you're around Mm -hmm. and horses have such a therapeutic energy you're not holding the horse up as they jump around (laughs) you it's really you're standing next to the horse and going through the postures yeah. and absorbing that energy. You're kind of one of the people that have really like this is an early on field, like you said. It's the, you only have a couple equestrian fitness specialists, like you created the term. Where are you hoping this thing grows in the next couple of years? I'm hoping that more riders take their fitness seriously. It's an essential piece of the sport. It's an essential part for helping our horses and. I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I, I think the sea change is coming. I think people are realizing that it's not buying a new saddle that's going to be the fix. It's not doing a bridle. It's looking. Your bit isn't the answer if your hands aren't right. If your core is weak, which I actually, it's funny, I did a previous podcast and I said, I've never met anyone whose core is too strong. You can always work on strengthening your core. And I was working with a body specialist person the other day and she was like, honestly, you need when you're in the tack to work on relaxing through your core. Like you need those Mm -hmm. muscles that you're actually holding really tightly are leading to the shoulder pain that you like. It's my injuries are things that I'm going to work with for the rest of my life. It's, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, well, you're in the fitness industry and I am in the fitness industry and I am because I need to be because I suffer from such chronic pain that mm-hmm. if I'm not exercising regularly, I, I'm immobile. At a certain point, you keep your injuries. So learning to live with them is one of the most important things yeah. that people can do. And, you know, if you avoid them and you atrophy, you're going to be actually in more pain and it's only going to continue to get worse. Which uh, style do you ride? I would say I write English. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, I, uh, I've done a couple Western 4-H classes as a kid, like pre before I even turned 10. I wouldn't say, because right now I'm not competing. I ride because it's what makes me happy. It's like, yeah. what, what style of yoga do you do? It depends on what <laughs> class I'm taking that day. It depends on what I'm teaching that day. It's like, I love my yin classes. I also love my very hot asana classes. I don't necessarily love those, but like <laughs> they're, I get pretty sweaty and I feel like it's a good, you know, if you're working through an emotional issue, like yeah. it's awesome to get really going with that. And there's just so many it's the same thing with riding. It's like, I don't consider myself a dressage rider. I don't consider myself an event rider. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not a show jumper, though I'd love to start doing some more show jumping because I got to learn. Yeah. <laughs> so always having the drive. That's awesome. I end every interview with the exact same question. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? Regularly doing planks gets me excited because <laughs> you know what? If you're procrastinating on something and you're trying not to do it, it's a great way to be like, okay, I'm going to do a plank. And then once I finish the plank, then I have to do the thing that I've been procrastinating on. Mm. So then you hold the plank for even longer than (laughs) what you think you can hold the plank for. What gets me excited is my new baby horse, actually. We just had a foal in... Two weeks ago yesterday. Oh, He's that's amazing. two weeks old, and I am so excited to watch this little guy grow. Oh, that's amazing. And horses, like, they run in, like, 
like an hour after they're born, right? Oh, just, he was they're ready up to go. in two hours. <laughs> I mean, like later that day, he's like cantering around in the stall. It was like a really wet, rainy day. And he's like, I'm all ready to be going out. And he was up and he's going like, I, it's funny because I was there when he was born and I'm like texting with my vet. She's like, she's amazing. I'm mm. so grateful to have her. And it's one of those things where I'm like, this is going on. And she's like, wow, we'd already progressed through the major milestones. And she was like, well, I'll be out at two o'clock in the afternoon. Text me if you need me. And I was like, <laughs> okay, we did it. Like it was, I made it, I made such like stressed about this for weeks. And it was one of those things where you let nature take its course and it went really well. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.